How do you respond to God? How do you respond to God? That is a vital question. In your life, daily, inside and out, how do you respond to God? As we've been looking through this book of Jonah, this well-known prophet who was uh, fleeing from God, or at least trying to flee from God, we see that God gave Jonah a, a task, a message, and Jonah said, I think I'll go somewhere else. I think not, God. He responded to God by thinking that he could run away from what God would have him to do. Jonah had the word of the Lord come to him, and he outright said, no. How do you respond to God? Chapter 2, we, we begin to see that uh, Jonah, disobedient to God, gets on this ship and he's heading the opposite direction where God wants him to go. And the only way for the men on the boat to be saved is if Jonah goes overboard. So he goes overboard and by God's grace, God sends a rescue in the miraculous of a great big fish. And there, Jonah's tune changes. How does Jonah then respond to God? We read in chapter 2 his prayer. We, in chapter 2, we get to see what's going on not just inside of a fish. We get to see what's going on inside of Jonah. That is more relevant and more important for us. What's amazing is we get to chapter 3, and you see by the end of chapter 2 that the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. Jonah gets a fresh start. Take two. Opportunity again from God to obey or to disobey. How's he going to respond to God? What's amazing about this um, task that God has for Jonah is that God didn't say, go to Nineveh and tell them everything's going to be okay. Go to Nineveh and tell them that I am the God of love. And that wrath is not real. That I'm going to accept them as they are. That any good thing they do is going to be weighed into my decision. God did not tell them to, uh, God did not tell Jonah to say, reassure them that everything's okay, that I love them, and that you love them too. No, we read at the very beginning of this book, in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it. For their evil has come up before me. This morning we're going to look at uh, responses to God from Jonah, from Nineveh, and from you. At the end of chapter 2, verse 10, I want you to look at that. We're going to read chapter 3. Chapter 2, verse 10 says, And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh Believed God. 
They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, nor herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he said that he would do to them. And he did not do it. At the beginning of this chapter, in verses 1 and 2, we read, which echoes chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, but now it's a second time. And he said, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it with the message that I tell you. You see that same thing in chapter 1. The, the original calling of God on Jonah repeated. But now, his response is so different. You read it in verse 3. It says, So Jonah arose. Chapter 1 says he arose and he fled. He arose and he ran. He arose and said, no way. Here in chapter 3, it says, verse 3, Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. He responded this time in obedience. So what changed? What changed? Had what God asked him changed? Had the place changed? Maybe the people were uh, getting uh, a little nicer now. Maybe it was a smaller town, or maybe connecting is easier. It's a new mission. Was it that the people were now less violent than they were when God originally told him to go? That now it was going to be a treat instead of uh, maybe um, death? No. The first call was to go to Nineveh. The great city and the second call was the exact same, with no promise to Jonah that it was going to be any different upon his arrival. It was still the wicked city. Still going to expect the same thing. So the place had not changed. It wasn't as though uh, God had given Jonah a fresh insight of the people, that a new update on them to ease his discomfort and fear. Like, oh, they're, they're different than you thought, Jonah. And then he'll go... No, there was no update. It was the same large, wicked city. So the same place. Well, did Jonah now have an army to go with him? Some, some comrades to go alongside him to do this hard task together? No, that didn't happen either. So same place, same person. Well, did he no longer call Jonah then to call out against it? To, to be so forward about their sin? Did he... Tell him to change the message? No, just like the first time he commanded Jonah, as you see in verse 2, call out against it. Call it against the city. Tell them they're in wrong. Tell them the judgment is coming because of their sin. That they are not pleasing God. 
call out against it. Tell the city they're wicked. Tell the people within the city that they will perish because of God's wrath. What was the difference? What had changed? Why then did Jonah in chapter 1 arise and flee, and now he's arising and going? And he's arising and he's going to these people according to the Lord. Whatever God had said, Jonah was now doing it. When before, he thought he could just pick and choose whatever was most comfortable, whatever seemed easiest, and whatever he liked. What was the difference? The difference was that Jonah had learned a hard lesson. That God had chastised him. Threw him into the deep. He thought for sure he was drowning dead. God had put him there. God appointed those waves. God appointed that ship to almost uh, um, collapse. God had appointed it all. So he learned his hard lesson through pain and through the punishment of God. And now, having understood when God appointed the great fish, that God has been a God of mercy all along. So now he understands and has experienced God's mercy. So he's acting out of thanksgiving. We read in chapter 2, verse 9, in his prayer, he says, But with a voice of thanksgiving, I will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Whatever you say, God, I will do. I promised to give you my life, and I mean it. Salvation belongs to you, O Lord, and you have saved me. So now what? Here I am. I'm all yours. So Jonah might have said that sometime before. You may have said that sometime before. God, I'm all yours to do whatever you please. And how many times have you been like Jonah and said, well, not that. That's a little uncomfortable. That's cost too much. Um, but yet, Jonah has this fresh experience of God's mercy on his life. <laughs> In an incredible way, right? Like he really tasted death. He really tasted God's judgment. And he thought for sure he was going to die perishing apart from God. You read that in his prayer in chapter 2. But God is so merciful to him. As God is so merciful to you. And with his fresh experience of God's mercy, he answers very differently. God tells him the exact same thing. Arise and go to Nineveh. So, verse 3 tells us he went. He went according to the word of the Lord. And now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. So it was humongous to try to travel through. And Jonah, it says in verse 4, began to go into the city, going a day's journey. He called out. He called out, yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Going to a day's journey. Jonah did not wait. He didn't say, let me just get the lay of the land. Let me just make sure I understand, make sure I've developed some rapport with the people. That was not his job. His job was to go and to call out against these people. So he didn't wait. This city that would have taken him three days to journey through, he only went one day and said, this is where I have to start. I have to call out against them. And he didn't whisper the message that God gave him. He didn't just go to Nineveh days and go, hey, you know what? I think there's some judgment coming. He cried out. He cried out in such a powerful way. He preached in such a powerful way that we 
see the response. It wasn't just timid little Jonah going into the city, finding someplace safe. Now he just obeyed God. He had a fresh sense of courage. All that mattered to him at this time was obedience. How did Jonah respond to God? Initially, in disobedience. Initially, in fleeing from God. But now that he's experienced God's mercy, again, and it's fresh on his mind, and God says to him, go, how did Jonah respond to God? In light of his mercy, he obeyed. He obeyed. He went and he did the hard thing that God would have him do. Go to a people that are not your people. Go to a wicked people, and there is a lot of these wicked people. Go to them and tell them that I am going to judge them. So he did. He went a day's journey. He preached that, that judgment is coming at 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That God is going to wipe out this place because of your sinfulness. So then how did the people of Nineveh respond to God? Verse 5 tells us, And the people of Nineveh believed God. They believed God. They believed that He would destroy them. In their sin. They believed God that they deserved that punishment. They believed that he was right to pour out wrath on them. They believed his judgment was true and acceptable and that it was coming. They believed God when he spoke. He spoke through Jonah. They believed God. That's a miracle. Oftentimes when we focus on the book of Jonah, we think about the miracle of the fish. And Jonah being preserved and his life preserved in the, the belly of a great fish. Here's, here's an even greater miracle. A wicked city believed God. They believed Him. This was the judgment of God preached to them and they, convicted in their sin, saw it. They saw that they would do all judgment from God. But then they pleaded to God for His mercy. They pleaded to Him. So what did they do in response? How did they respond to God? They believed Him. So they, they believed that they were going to be overthrown. That they were going to die. And then it says, and they called out at the end of verse 5, they called out for a fast. And they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least. Verse 6 says, The word reached the king of Nineveh, that would be the greatest, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself in sackcloth, and, and sat or laid in the ashes. It's remarkable. The greatest, the king. John Calvin says, We have here a remarkable instance of repentance. That the king should so have forgotten himself and his dignity as to throw aside his splendid dress, to put on sackcloth, and to lie down on ashes. The king so repented that he forgot his dignity. He forgot how great he was. Because before God, he was dead. He responded to God in belief. It's amazing to see this response to God. They called for a fast. 
So the king then, verse 7 tells us, he issued a proclamation and published it through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Don't eat. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. That is mourning attire. Dress like you are mourning. Like you are grieved. You're cut to the heart. So don't eat, don't drink. Dress like a grief, a person in grief. And then call out mightily to God. This is what the king said for them to do. He believed God. And so he tells them, fast, dress like you're grieving, and then call out mightily to God. As a community. It's amazing what happened here. The response of this community to God was incredible. With one voice, they came to God and they did fast. They did together say, let's stop eating and cry out to God during this time instead. It is, it is better for us that they were, we are made right with God than that we have full stomachs. So fasting was about. It's about a, a, a time of consecration to God. Say, I'm all yours. I don't belong to food. I don't need it. I need you. And the fact that they are in sackcloth and ashes is that they are, are grieved. And, and this, is, this is a death of themselves. We've died to our old ways. Something has died here. And it was their pride. And it was their old man. And they called out mightily together as a community. We read in verse 7 and 8. And then the second half of verse 8 the king tells them something more important than their out, outward actions. More important than not eating. More important than looking like you're going to a funeral. More important than crying out. Because hypocrites can do that. And you know that. Pharisees did that. Pharisees would dress up. And they would pray. And they would fast. And Jesus says they are vipers. So then he, he furthers his decree. In the second half of verse 8, he says, Let everyone, here's the most important way to respond to God, turn from his evil way. Let them repent. Let them turn from your evil way. Don't just cry out. Don't just do some religious thing. Don't just respond because everybody's watching you. Turn from your evil way. Repent. And he extends that. He says, well, from the violence that is in your hands, there's going to be fruit of it. There's going to be evidence. You're going to stop being the way you are. These people were violent and wicked people. And the king says, let's respond to God the way that he deserves. We ought to repent. And Jesus, when he's speaking of the account of Jonah in, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 41, he says, the men, he's speaking against the Pharisees and talking like, hey, they're going to judge you. So he says, the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Amazing. At the preaching of Jonah, just a servant of God, the people repented. They stopped what they were doing. They turned to God instead and served Him. 
And Jesus says, that was just a servant. I'm here. Something greater than Jonah is here. So they responded in repentance. It wasn't just with words. Because Jesus is saying that these men of Nineveh will be in heaven. They will be with him forever because they will be the ones to rise up and condemn the wicked people. This people who repented and believed what Jonah had said. It's amazing because the king says in verse 9, you read, well, who knows? Who knows? God may turn and he may relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Who knows? He said, I I don't know. This is his first interaction with this God. He didn't know. But he soon found out that God did relent. That God did turn. That God did not pour the judgment on them that they so rightly deserved. Turn from his fierce anger. Well, the reality is God did not turn from his fierce anger. He just turned his fierce anger somewhere else. In order to save the people of Nineveh, his fierce anger was not dissipated, it was not put out. His fierce anger was placed on the Savior instead. The only way to save Nineveh was if God's fierce anger still remained. But if they would find their ark of safety in the Messiah, in believing God, they believed whatever God had said, they believed God's way, they trusted God. They repented of their sin. They turned from their old way of life. They turned from trusting in themselves or their sinfulness or their false gods, whatever they believed in. And they turned. They repented. And they trusted in God instead. They, they just left it to God and said, who knows? It's up to God what He does. We, we believe Him. So they responded then, amazingly, in obedience. Jesus tells us that the greatest command is is not just to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, but part of loving God is he also says in Mark chapter 1, repent and believe the gospel. Repent. So these believed God. They obeyed God. Amazingly, you see Jonah now obeying God. And... It's incredible because he goes with a message of condemnation. Like, you're going to be judged by God. Like, not of like, hey, God loves you only and you should just come to this God. He's a really nice God and he'll make you feel good. That was not the message that Jonah brought to these people. But yet, they knew this God of mercy and they believed him and they obeyed him. God did indeed turn his wrath from them. Uh, Verse 10 tells us that when God saw what they did, they repented, how they turned from their evil way, they they trusted him, and he relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them, and he did not do it. How amazing is that? That God did not just sweep the judgment under the rug, but he turned it in a different direction to his own son. It's amazing. It's amazing how Jonah responded to God. It's amazing how the people of Nineveh responded to God. So the question is, how do we respond to God? Have you, like the people of Nineveh, heard that God's right and severe judgment is owing your sin? 
Have you heard that? But have you responded in the same way? Have you heard that God will judge sin? 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Therefore, don't pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things that are now hidden in the darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Ezekiel 7 says, Your doom has come to you. O inhabitant of the land, the time has come. The day is near, a day of Talmud, and not of joyful shouting of the mountains. Now I will soon pour out my wrath on you. I will spend my anger against you. And judge you according to your ways. And I will punish you for all your abominations. In Acts 17 verse 30 and 31. It says the times of ignorance God overlooked. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world. In righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. That is his son. And he's given us assurance by raising him from the dead. Judgment is coming. So then, have you, like the people of Nineveh, heard and believed that you are a sinner and that God should judge you? But then have you responded like them in repentance? Turning from your evil way. Trusting in His way alone. There's fruit of that. They stop their violence. Or have you, just like Jonah, maybe run from God often? When God says go, God says there's that person. Here's that ministry. Here's this thing I would like you to say or to do. Matthew 28, Great Commission. Go and make disciples. Have you heard his call in your life and said, not right now? Or I'm not smart enough, or I don't have the right words, or um, it's uncomfortable. Have you heard the call of God to go and said, I'll go somewhere else for now? <clears throat> but then you realize that God is indeed merciful, as he was with Jonah. And he gives you a chance again to hear even this morning to go and to make your disciples. So then the question is, how will you respond to God with your second and your 202nd chance? How do you respond to God? And repentance and obedience is how we ought to respond. Having experienced God's mercy even afresh today, as you woke up, you realize His mercy was new this morning? His mercy was new for you this morning, and you needed it. Because today, you will have sinful attitudes, you will have sinful actions, that you need God to be merciful on you for. And thank Him that His mercy is new today. And so with His fresh experience, not just the mercy of yesterday, not just the mercy of the day you got saved, but the mercy of today, with a fresh experience of God's mercy, that He has not struck you down and, and, and called you that you would never be saved, with fresh mercy today, are you revived to, as Jonah did, give thanks and out of that thanksgiving and out of that gratitude to actually do something. To obey God. You know the person who has just understood the gospel for the first time? You see how they live, eh? They, they live an incredibly bold life. An incredibly obedient life. They're often the people who devour the Bible the most. They're often the people who share their faith the most. Why? 
because they have a fresh experience of God's mercy. They realize what God has done for them, that they were a wretch, and God would save them through His amazing grace. So for you and for me, who are maybe stagnant, or we got dust on our testimony, do you realize God's mercy for you today? And that He's still kept you. And He's still keeping you. He's merciful towards you. Yes, a sinner. And in that fresh experience of God's mercy, we ought to obey. As did Jonah, as did Nineveh. We keep on repenting. We keep turning from our evil ways. We keep turning from trusting in ourselves or or fleeing from God. We stop that. And we run to God in trust and obedience again and again. The response to mercy was the same for Nineveh, for Jonah, and it should be for us. The response to mercy was obedience. And obedience meant repentance. Stop what you're doing and start believing God. It's amazing here for Jonah that the place did not change. It still was uncomfortable. It was still difficult. It was still scary. The people did not change. He did not have any promise that they would be receptive. That they were still in their wickedness. And Jonah was no more physically equipped. So when God is calling you to a task, don't say, well, I just need something to change first. I just need the people to change first. I need them to be more receptive. Or I need it not to be as, as uncomfortable or as dangerous. If God's calling you to a thing, you do it. If God tells you to jump, you say, how high? We obey God because He's been merciful to us. And we realize that through, through our obedience, when, when we realize God's mercy on us, you think about Jonah for a second, all those people of Nineveh, by God's grace, God, God used Jonah as a piece of that puzzle, just like He might use you to plant a seed or to water a seed if you would just simply obey. What a joy and a privilege it is to obey the living God. So the question I ask again is, how do you respond to God? Let's pray. Almighty God, I ask that you would grant us that even as we are loaded with so many sins, that you would grant that we would not be hardened against you and against your corrections, against your exhortations, Through them, you invite us to yourself. That we would be made contrite in spirit. That whenever you would denounce your wrath on us, we may be humbled. So we would place ourselves before you and admit that we believe you judge justly. And that by a true confession and genuine fear, we would anticipate the judgment which would have been prepared for us. And in the meantime, we rely on Christ, our mediator. God, Help us to have such a hope of pardon that we may uh, embrace obedience. We want to be moved to a true and real feeling of fear and repentance so that we would be um, desiring to please you in all things. God, we want to um, serve you with our lives. We want to obey you with our lives. And so we need your spirit to help us. We are so thankful that the Spirit within us testifies that you are a Father to us and that 
we were not cast down, but that we are, are risen up because we have a hope in heaven through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Give us that hope afresh and make it change us. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.